at uh, this thing called scripture. Just always remember, that's the only, sometimes I give you my point of view, but the Holy Spirit's job is to teach you, all right? So when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they call themselves eyewitnesses. They said, we found the one who Moses and the prophets spoke of. That's what that's what we found the one. So when we begin to look at the Gospels, I think it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. And uh, you can write that down. And I could jump over there real quick. I know you guys don't want to jump around. If does anybody needs a Bible, let me know. Let one of us know in church so that we can get you a good Bible. And Matthew chapter 11 is the famous scripture in 28, 29, and 30. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's talking to the people here and he tells them, to take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Then he also says, and then you'll find rest for your soul. And how many of us are here need rest for our soul? And like, you know, you hear me talk a lot about the soul all the time. And sometimes you can be restless. You just can't rest. But when he says, learn of me, it's a command. He says, take my yoke upon you. Receive the Holy Spirit and learn all about me. And that should be our assignment. Like it says, husbands, love your wives according to what? Knowledge. It's a man's job to get to know his wife. It's the wife's job to get to know her husband. But when it comes to salvation, he says, get to know who I am. So we look over here at Mark chapter 2. And um, we're looking at that familiar place of scripture where they couldn't make their way in and then they begin to tear the roof off, all right? So it says here um, in verse four, we can start there and it says, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason? Why reason ye uh, these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thy own house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all. And so much that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. So when you really study the scriptures, try to study it like you're a detective. Try to study it like you're, like you're going for your thesis in college. You're always trying to figure this thing out. Holy Spirit, what are they talking about? 
So Jesus is trying to reveal to people who he is, but he does it in, in a way where there's a scripture that says, if you could see me and you could hear me, you'll be converted and healed. If you can see who I really am, like the demons could look past the flesh or they could look through the temple and say, oh, I know who you are. Because they're, they're not looking like you and I. We're looking at flesh and blood. We're like, ain't no way. He, he ain't God's son. There's no way that would make him equal. That's why John uh, writes in chapter 5 that if you truly are the son of God, that makes you God, which you blaspheme, and you're deserving of death. And in this situation right here, because you think you have the power to forgive somebody of their sins, you blaspheme and you're worthy of death. The blaspheme means that you're making a joke of God. You're disrespecting our God because the Hebrews had, it was, it was demanded, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out uh, of Egypt, out of the yoke, and there will be no other God but me. That's the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. There's not, we are the Lord your God. It doesn't say that. It says, I, singular, am the Lord your God, which coincides with Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So when they begin, when he begins to say that I forgive you of your sins, your sins are forgiven. Of course, the scribes are brothers that study scripture. Just like all of us in this room, we're studying scripture right now. We got our book. Who is this man saying that he's going to forgive somebody of their sins? He said, well, you know what? I know that you can't understand what I'm saying, but maybe if I say to this man, your sins are forgiven, and then now take up your bed and walk, and he does walk, maybe you'll say, well, hold on a second here now. Only the father, according to Genesis to Malachi, is the one that raises the dead. Only the father is the one that cured the leprosy of Naaman. Only the father was the one that went to the widow, remember at that time, and and, and was the one that delivered her. Only the father uh, was the one that parted the Red Sea. Only the father was the one that commanded the wind and the rain. Only the father. So he is challenging them. And, and listen, they can't see him because he says, take my yoke upon Take your yoke upon us and learn all about you. He says in John 5 and 39 is the scripture where he says, he says, you search the scriptures. For in them you think that you have eternal life. But all those scriptures testify of me. They're all about me. So the scriptures, he's not talking about Matthew, the book of Revelation. He's talking about Genesis to Malachi. He says, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life. They prove to the whole world that you are the children of Abraham and rightly so. Like he told the woman at the well, you know, salvation is of the Hebrews or of the Jews. We know who we worship. We know salvation comes through us. But Jesus is trying to tell them that all those scriptures back there testify about who I am. Let's turn over to Psalms chapter 8 real quick. Psalms chapter 8 is a little tough sometimes. When you're going through scripture, you're trying to figure it out. And the Holy Spirit's job, since the Holy Spirit is the one that came down on the Feast of Weeks. And that's where you see the Holy Spirit or the finger of God begin to write the commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the yoke of bondage and you will have no other God but me. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. They know what he's talking about. 
because they know the first commandment. You and I may not be able to quote the first commandment, but them Hebrews can quote the first commandment. They know that out of the yoke of bondage, they know what that was. So when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, they, they got an attitude already. But we look at Psalms 8 here, and, and, and most of the time we look at it, we look at it from an earthly point of view. But if we look at it from a heavenly point of view, from God's point of view, okay, it says here in verse 8, it says, O Lord, Elohim, O Adonai, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might have steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man? You visit him for you have made him a little bit lower than the angels yet have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over all over the works of thy hands and you have put all under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea passing through the paths of the seas. Oh, Yahweh, oh, Adonai, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. All right. Now. We know there's a scripture where it says that Jesus thought it not robbery or disrespectful to make himself equal with the father. But yet he humbled himself and took on the position of a servant and went and died for you and I. What is that? What does the writer mean? He thought it was not robbery to be equal with him. And this whole thing about the son of man, remember he calls uh, uh, the prophets in the Old Testament, I don't wanna say the Old Testament, but back in the Tanakh, he calls them men of God. But yet when he comes down here, he takes on this same name over in Psalms chapter eight, son of man. That makes you think in your mind, why is it, well, we can go to Psalms eight and to some other scripture where it talks about the son of man. And he is saying he was made a little bit lower than the angels. The father took and placed himself in Mary. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. So the soul that is in this man called Jesus is different from the soul that is in you and I. We need his soul to die and be resurrected. Only God can save us. That's why Isaiah writes that, you know, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. But getting back to Mark's testimony again, who are you that you think you can forgive sins? Because each and every one of us in this room are sinners saved by Yahweh's grace or God's grace. So when we turn over to John chapter three and begin to look at the testimony of John. And the book of John is really, really good. But if you read it from a Moses point of view, you will get a lot out of it. Amen? Amen. But John has to begin to talk to you and I about some things and try to get some things straight in our heart. All right. So looking at or beginning at verse 27, we're trying to get a, a feeling of who Jesus is. And they said, isn't he the child of Mary and Joseph? Don't we know his parents? We know where this man comes from. But the Messiah, we will not know where he comes from. So when we look at John chapter three. There's 
John is still baptizing. He has not yet been killed nor thrown into prison. He's still baptizing. His disciples are beginning to talk to him and say, hey, you know, a boy that you bear witness of is baptizing down there. But John is still doing his assignment that was given to him by the Most High. He's not going to stop doing his assignment until he is dead. All right. So in verse 27, listen what John says here. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven, from glory. The father runs everything. I can't do my assignment. You can't do your assignment. And Jesus sure enough can't do what he's doing unless heaven's co-signs off on it. But the father is the one orchestrating everything. All right. He is orchestrating this whole thing. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I am not the anointed one. But that I am set before him. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom which stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. What John is telling you right now, I have fulfilled my ministry. I have I finished my course. Because the one that Moses and the prophets spoke of, the one that Isaiah spoke of, Isaiah was the one that spoke about John's ministry, how he'll make the crooked path straight. He'll get the way ready for the Mashiach to come. Yes, that's that's what that's what it says in, there in the book of Isaiah. He says, and I am so full. Right. You ever be so full in your heart when something has come to pass that. You know that is your assignment. I've had some assignments in my life, and when those assignments are, are done, I could just stand back and look at them and say, man, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to turn out like that. And if John would have read where they always killed the prophets, I wonder if he would have went. That's, that's, I know John had to read that somewhere. He knows what his destiny is. There was not a prophet that the Bible talks about. You know, we see Elijah, you know, he got he got his ticket out early. He caught an Uber. I'm out. He ain't going to kill me. They threatened him. Oh, they wanted to kill him. But he was like, I'm out. But John was like, I wonder if I'm going to get an Uber. That's what John's wondering. I wonder how it's all going to end. I fulfilled my course because now the most high is baptizing more than I am. You have to understand where everybody thinks that Jesus is just like John, that he was born just of a woman. He's from here. But John is trying to tell you and I something today. I am not the anointed one. And all through scripture, they would take the oil and they would go to the one that the father had ordained. They anointed Saul, king over Israel. And then they went and they anointed David to be king over Israel. And now John is trying to tell you that Jesus is the one I bear witness that has the anointed, not by man. He, John was praying and the father said, who you see the spirit anoint, that is the one. That is the anointed one. But the father anointed Jesus. Then the high priest would go and I'd anoint John. Hey, what's up, John? And we anoint him. Remember, the, it wouldn't even flow. Wouldn't flow. You know, he would try to anoint somebody, but the oil wouldn't flow. How's that happen? You turn over your Pepsi and nothing comes out. You ever try to do that with ketchup? Give me another bottle. Nothing would flow. But when John saw the Holy Spirit come down and rest upon him, John starts to testify here. He said in verse 30, he must increase. It's all about him. 
I know I'm out here doing my assignment, but you got to take his yoke upon you. He must increase, but I decrease. It, my, I'm, it's over for me now. And when it's over for you, sometimes you get a little squirrely. Because nobody's threatening John at this point. Like I tell you, nobody's threatening us right now. Ain't nobody running up here. We don't see cars just coming up here, you know, driving by real slow. That's when you know, you're like, are they trying to do a drive-by on the church? Ain't nobody coming for John right now. John talks strong. Let me hear you. John, hey, it's not lawful for you to be laid up with your brother's wife. John would talk some things. He had no punk in his heart. He must increase. And he's trying to tell his disciples, I'm decreasing, man. I hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear what? It's not that I saw him. He said, I hear his voice. I recognize the voice. I recognize what's inside of him. I'm recognizing it. He said, he, listen to this part right here that John says, he that comes from above. Just like Psalms 8 said, it's above all. He's trying to tell his disciples where Jesus came from. Hey, you know that dude that's baptizing like you that everybody's starting to go to now? He said, hey man, that dude wasn't born like us. He came from glory. You know, we read over in John where it says, man, hey, can we just chill like we used to long before you created anything? When it was just you and I? And it talked, the only way they can describe him to you and I is that he's in the Father's bosom. That's the only way to describe it. But John is saying, hey, man, he that comes from above is above all. He that is of the earth is what? Earthly. John's like, I'm earthly, man. I got a Facebook page, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got an email and everything like that. Like, I, don't, I know my prayer is getting through, but this dude is from up top. He came here. Look at his perspective coming down here. He knows where he's going, and he knows where he's going. Like you and I, sometimes John begins to question. He sent his disciples to him and said, are you the one? Because John didn't really know how his end was going to be. But when he got locked up, he thought it was going to be a different way. This is before he's locked up. He's like, he thought it was going to be a different way. But when you and I get into a bind sometimes in our faith and, and, and all that the father has showed us, sometimes it's like that little ball of glass with all the, you know, you shake it up and all the snow goes everywhere. You have to wait for it to settle. And you and I get a little squirrely. Because all the things that the father spoke to him about, he's like, well, I know I have to decrease. I know they have to start following him. But like every other Hebrew, he thought that there was going to be maybe a physical change. But now all of a sudden, Jesus takes the throne down here and begins to reign. But Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the people are like, there is, he has no image. God is what? A spirit. And those that worship him, worship him in the spirit of truth. He says, I know, but I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And that's when John starts to write to us about the Holy One of Israel and how this virgin was going to conceive and how a child shall be born and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And we shall call him Wonderful Counselor, what Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, all the names that we give to the Most High. We start giving to this one right here. And John begins to co-sign off. Listen, everybody begins to write. 
that he's from above. And whoever comes from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. We prophesy in part. We don't got the full picture. He that comes from heaven is above all. He can see all. He knows all. Looking at things differently and what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no man receives his testimony because Jesus, when you go to John chapter five, verse 18, the second reason why they killed him is because he made himself equal with the father when he told them that he is my father or. You know, you can get into the Gentiles with Zeus and Thor and all them. But the father overshadowed Mary and she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. So the very spirit that went into her womb that created that soul is God himself. That's what's so confusing to the whole world. We know that he just needed a body. Because you and I are not worthy. We know that everybody from Adam that's going to be born and all has sin. But who is going to have no sin? Which one of us is going to be born without sin? He just needed a body. And they handled him just like they handled the lamb before the Passover. It has to be one without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. They handled him. And now here he is today. And John is like, he that has received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Those that come to God must first believe that he is God. It's something inside of you and I when we gave our life to the Lord. Everybody in the room the day I got saved did not receive him as Lord and Savior. And everybody when you got saved did not receive him as Lord and Savior. It's to whomever the Father will reveal. The Father is revealing what they call the Son because he said, no, I took a part of myself and I placed it in there. Because John's witness was that in the beginning was the Word. The word was with God and the word was God. Isaiah says his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is Yah with us. Do you hear that? So will I have critics? Of course I'll have critics. John has critics. Jesus has critics. The disciples have critics. The demons didn't have no critics. <laughs> he told them to keep your mouth shut because the demons were spilling the beans about who he is. I know who you are the Holy One of Israel. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand, just like Psalms 8. Because if we read it from an earthly point of view, then we say, what is, why is God thinking about me so much that he would die for me? Why, why did God do all the things he did? But you look at it from a heavenly perspective, he put everything in what they consider to be the Son's hands. That's why he says, Lord said to Lord, sit down on my right hand while I make what your enemies thy footstool. Well, who was going to make him his footstool? He that believes on the son has what? Everlasting life. And he that believes not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The plan of God from the beginning was that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head and the serpent's head would bruise the seed's foot. That's the plan right there from the beginning. In the beginning, Yah created heaven and earth and everything. Yes, he did. 
John talks about there was nothing that was made that Jesus wasn't present for to see himself. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, not two, not three. Do you hear me? He is one. That is a commandment that the Israelites can't get past. That's the reason why today they refuse to accept Yeshua as their savior. Because they just can't see it. We look at it and say, how can you just not accept him? They, like, he's only one. Because when you listen to people, like I told you, the young man that came and said, there's two. I said, how can there be two when there's only one? Because, I mean, when it says, let us make man, but I, singular, is I plural or is I singular? When you say I, do you mean your family or are you talking about just you? When he said, ask for me and my house, he could have just said, ask for me, I will serve the Lord. But he said, ask for me and my house. I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the yoke of bondage and you will have no other God but me. Do you understand that? The testimony of John is so strong in this situation because one of the things that he testifies about, he said, I baptize you with what? Water. But there's one that standeth among you that baptizes you with the Holy Ghost. And that's confusing to people because we know the only person that can baptize anybody with the Holy Spirit, the only one that has ever sent the Holy Spirit is God himself. When the Lord said, he said, let us begin to build and make this earth, the spirit went and hovered over the face of the deep and began to do all the things that the father wanted. And when the Passover lamb was done and all the people came out of Egypt, a lot of times people think that Acts chapter 2 was the beginning of the Holy Spirit. No, it is not. No, it is not. We think that's the day where the Lord baptized everybody in the Spirit. No, it is not. Because if we look at it from Moses, what these brothers are teaching and preaching here, what John is trying to say, I baptize you with water, but there's one that stands among you that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. This is a pivotal statement in John's life. We know that 50 days later, we didn't celebrate the Feast of Weeks this year, but that is a very important feast that we need to celebrate every single year. And you can see in Acts chapter 2 that people came from all over the world to this Feast of Weeks. Do you hear me? Yeah. We see where the mountain was on fire. And John is saying, I baptize you with water. Like, remember, they all were baptized into Moses. But there's one that stands among you that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. The only one that came down on the mountain, the only one that Moses was talking to in Exodus chapter 19, the only one that Moses had been talking to the whole time is the father himself. Was he talking to anybody else? So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, find out who I am. And if the scribes wouldn't have been trying to just read the scriptures with a selfish mentality, where it was all, what am I going to get out of this book? That's why the prosperity message flourished among the church. When they started to come and say, hey, man, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give it to your bosom. People started to sow like it was the casino. There was no balance. They began to sow more and more and more. And they begin to talk about it more and more and more. 
when he started talking about tithes and offerings, they were going above tithes and offerings because they believed that blessing came from giving. When the blessing comes from the relationship that you and I have with the Most High God. That's where our blessing comes. It's the relationship that we have with him. In blessing, I will bless you, Abraham. When you look at the relationship of Abraham and the father, I'm going to bless you because you're my child. I'm going to bless you because of our relationship. I'm going to bless you because of the covenant that we have. I'm going to call you man of God. And, and, and matter of fact, you, you know, you'll call me son of man. We'll exchange the end of our last name. Like when a woman gets married, she leaves her last name and takes on the name of the other person. The father is saying, I'm going to be called myself the son of man and I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to call you man of God and you'll live and not die. We'll take each other's place. Well, how's that sound? I'll fight your battles. Does that sound okay to you, Mark? Man, I'm all in. <laughs> you die that I won't die? Man, I'll take that all day long. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much you got going on in your life. Each and every one of us is worried about the end. Like John is worried about the end. I must decrease. And if we lift up the name of Jesus, like Genesis 4 and 26, that's a slap in the Hebrew's face. Romans 10 and 13. You remember what that one is? Whosoever shall call upon the name of Yahweh shall be saved. But now they're saying whoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Back over to the gospel of Mark. Y'all make it there? One of the things that can't happen in our life is somebody walks in this church years after we have been here and receive or have their prayer answered and we don't. That's, that's, there was people already there they were, it says that they couldn't get in because there were so many people. If you ever see a Michael Jackson concert, it's hard to get to the front row. There's so many people pressing or trying to get to Michael. Michael! Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't even get through these people unless somebody carries you over top. So all these people are pressing their way towards Jesus. Yeah. He's done so many miracles. Elisha did eight. But he's done so many miracles, no matter where he goes, that John said all the books in the world cannot contain everything I saw with my eyes. He saw some things with his eyes that he's like, you just I I can't even think. Remember last week over. Remember that one over there? Remember he did that? Remember Peter's mom? Lazarus, he, he healed. He raised more than Lazarus from the dead. It says there were so many people. What if there were so many people trying to get into this church to see Jesus because we're teaching about Jesus. We're not teaching our agenda. We're teaching about Jesus. The father wants the whole world to know who the son is. What if we just start teaching about that? We're not worried about the money. We're not worried about anything. We're just trying to take his yoke upon us and learn about what if we just lifted up the name of Jesus? The Hebrews aren't going to show up because they're like, no, man, there's, there's no Jesus, Yahweh. What if we just focused on Jesus alone, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? What if we just focus on him and every week we just talk about him? He's the focal point of our decision. Imagine all the people that are coming and are pressing in here to get in here just to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about the prosperity message no more. They don't want to hear about relationships They don't want to hear about forgiveness. They don't want to hear about that. They just want to know who Jesus is. 
That's it. These four brothers couldn't get in because there were so many people. They were coming because of the miracles. They were coming because he fed them. But these four knew who Jesus was to the point where they began to tear the roof off the top, lifted their friend up and lowered him at the feet of Jesus. The people were like, what, what is this? But you'll do anything in your own power when you know who Jesus is. You'll crawl on your knees through a crowd and get stepped on, but touch the hem of his garment because you know who he is. You'll, you'll lose sleep because he's the only one that can turn it around for you. When you know who he is, you won't go out here looking for anything because you know who he is. You won't call on no other name because you know who he is. You won't be scared or worried or burdened down with the affairs of this world. Because you know who he is. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Yes. And it's something where you can sleep good at night. Yes. Knowing who he is. When the wind and the rain came on that boat that day, I would have woke him up too. <laughs> yes, I would have. Because they said, do you not care that we perish? And you can't tell me that's probably later on today. Probably next week, probably last week, you weren't saying the same thing. Do you not care that I perish? But if we know who he is, there's a difference when somebody calls your name, when some other little, little kid calls your name, and there's a difference when your child calls your name. You'll stop everything. These four men who were pressing their way in, the scribes had front row seats. They were there already, sitting in the front row, listening and watching everything that's going on. They saw the roof begin to be torn off the top. They saw this man uh, being lowered down by his friends. And you talk about wheat and tares. You got a front row seat. They won't know who God is until they hit glory and they see him high and lifted up. Like Isaiah said, you were reading Isaiah the whole time and I was sitting in front of you and you had no clue who I was. Matter of fact, you told me that I didn't have no business forgiving nobody for their sins. And they'll be saying like, hold up. He said, you know what? If you could see me and hear me, you'll know who I am. You would have kept your mouth shut. You would have threw your crowns down and worshiped me, but you didn't worship me. You said you know who the father was. I sent you guys into the whole world like Isaiah said. Did we not preach this gospel to the whole world? You thought it was just in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Isaiah was preaching to the whole world too about who God is, about the plan of salvation. And he said himself, he didn't leave it to you and me. If you want to get something done, you got to do it what? Yourself. So they put a name on him, called him the son of God. But you know what? Isaiah said, that's not the son of God. It's Emmanuel. That is Yahweh with us. If they would have knew who Jesus was, they would have never crucified him. So what I'm trying to tell you and I today, I know why we got to keep talking about this, brother Mark, because we got to know who he is. Our lives depend on it. Cornelius would call upon the name of the Lord every day. Something moved in his heart where he would go out and have compassion on people and begin to move out there and do things for people. Yes. And one day an angel showed up 
You know how important it is to know who Jesus is? When Cornelius found out who he is, it not only changed his life, but his family and friends. You start talking about your cup running over. You think the anointing is just for the cup like that was just it? The cup is supposed to run over in our lives and we know who he is. We can't contain him. Like John said, you can't contain everything that he reveals to you. Something's going to run over. Something starts to run over in your life when you know who Jesus is. The spirit that he has given to you and I is not just for us. We're going to be anointed. One thing he says, and I love about John, he says he received the spirit without measure, but you and I, we're going to have a measure to it. He said either one talent, two talents, five talents. Did it not? You're going to either get five, you're going to get two, you're going to get one. Why am I only getting one? It don't matter. Do something with it. Given the spirit without measure. It's almost like when you watch, uh, remember watching Marvel and watching the Avengers. Daniel said to have a glove made so he could contain everything. Jesus had to have nothing made. He said, pour it all on me. (laughs) The father said, I'm going to pour it all. Pour it all on me. You and I can't contain that. We can't contain having the mind of God just in us. We couldn't contain it. What would we do with it? But he could contain it. He thought it not robbery to be what? Equal. But he humbled himself. That's why they call it the man Christ Jesus. Because he said that temple right there, I'm going to put myself in that temple. I'm going to hide myself in that temple. I'm going to hide myself in that tabernacle. You better take care of that tabernacle and temple the way I tell you to take care of it. But did they take care of it when they saw the real tabernacle? No, they didn't. They killed it. If they would have knew who he was, they would have never killed it. We can't be here 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 20, 40 years without knowing who Jesus is. Because when his spirit begins to move and you start seeing people just that just showed up a week ago, get their blessing and leave. I got mine. (laughs) When people got got mine, you're sitting there like, what did they get? Some received their dead back to life. That's what it says. Some received their dead back to life. Some received their parents back. Some received their children back. Some received their homes back. There was a law that was written in the scriptures. After seven years, you need to give that man everything back that I gave him. All of a sudden, stuff that you lost starts coming back because you know who he is. You thought you'd never see that again. You thought that would ne- you would never see that happen in your life. But when you know who Jesus is, he said, my yoke is easy. What yoke are you talking about, Jesus? Well, I know you haven't been with us you know, all these years, but there was a time when the children of Israel were in Egypt. And I brought them out of the land of Egypt and out of the yoke of bondage. And they will have no other God but me. So take this yoke that I'm giving you today upon you and just learn about me. Well, I want to know about how to manage my money. (laughs) He says, you know what, young lady? You know what, my brother? If the fool would have (laughs) knew what time of night that I was coming for him, he would have never built those barns. He would have never tried to save anything. Mm -hmm. If you knew the mission and the plan of the Father, he asked you and I to forget everything else. And he says, all eyes on me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I... I want to be great. 
lose your life and come follow me. Ah. <laughs> I'm still young. Lose your life. Give it up. That way you'll have a life and life more abundantly. You can't be in the press or in the room with a group of people calling themselves weep, <laughs> looking at Jesus and not receiving Jesus. That's what he challenges you and I on today. Who do you say that I am? According to scripture. And then you and I go home and we begin to search the scriptures. He says in the scriptures, they tell you that you're Hebrews. You know, people are running around the day talking about, I'm Hebrew. We are the children. First of all, <laughs> he knows who are his. That's why the woman at the well, he said, ain't nobody really worried about, you know, Jerusalem anymore. I need people who are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. The spirit came down on the Feast of Weeks. And I know they teach you how to speak in tongues and dance. But ain't nobody was dancing that day. He started to write his laws upon their heart and upon their mind. And he was to them a God and they were to him sons. And daughters. he began to write. He began to write some things down called the Ten Commandments. He started to write some things. Moses started to receive some things. And now you and I have a thing called the Torah, Genesis to Deuteronomy. Then he had some other brothers write the Nahafim or the prophets. Then he had some other brothers write the Kutavim. And now we got the writings. And they call it the Tanakh. And everybody else in the New Testament all use that to prove their point to you and I, who he is. They call Moses the rock, the chief cornerstone that Israel rejected. And the scribes that were sitting there, even though they had the Torah in their hands, everybody wasn't privileged to have a Bible like they have today. Even though these scribes were the ones that would perfectly scribe or write a new scroll for somebody, making sure all the T's and the I's were dotted and crossed. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know who, who is this man who blasphemes and thinks that he could forgive people of their sins. Well, he proved it that day, didn't he? The people ended Mark saying, I never saw that. We never saw it on this fashion. And I guarantee you, if you begin to focus on Jesus, on who he is, and you go home and all you're concerned about is who he is, that's all you're looking up in your book. Who are you? Who are you? You're going to meet him. He says, you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. That's what the scripture, you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Many, there were many widows back in the day, he says, but only one found me. Naaman the leper wasn't even in Israel. But some young lady told him that there's a man of God and that man of God knows who he is. And Naaman had his leprosy removed. So when Jesus was going around taking away leprosy, somebody should have said, is that the one that maybe healed Naaman? But if we can't see who he is and we don't know that everything has been committed, all power has been committed to Jesus. Yeah. 
All of it. He just put it all on him. There it is. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of looking unto Jesus, the one who wrote it and then the one who died for it, for our faith. How's that sound? The one who wrote it and the one who sealed it with his death for our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and what? The finisher of our faith. I know somebody's going to tell you that he's just a man. I know that's okay because we got that body. He said, all I need is a body. All they could see was that body beaten and marred and disfigured and hung up on a tree. But if you can look past all of that, he got up. And like John said, he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. He told the disciples, he said, wait here because I got to go get this Holy Spirit. And I got to send them to you. That's what he said. I'm going to go and I'm going to send them to you. So stay right here. Don't go nowhere. I, the next feast is 50 days later. And I am sending the spirit to you. That's it. So when you start to look at the totality of his scripture. And you can see who he is. You will be converted. Means that converted means that, you know, you convert something over to something else. Yeah. That means that all of a sudden you pass from death to life and you're healed. Physical healing, Lord, you don't need physical healing. You need some spiritual healing in life because man became a living soul. And if your soul is healed, take care of everything. You know who Jesus is. Everything else is coming after that. There's going to be a point in time for you and I to move on like John. It's going to stress us out a little bit. But looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Take his yoke and point. Keep studying about Jesus. I want to know about the gifts of the Spirit. Well, just go and study about Jesus. People are going to be running after signs and wonders and all these other little things that, that just seem so, you know, it's like fun to study. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what please, that's, that's what lets you in when you believe on the one whom the Father has said. He calls himself the Father. He just tries to put it in human terms. That's my son. But the Hebrews knew exactly what was going on. Then that makes you God too. And that's blasphemy. All right? Anybody else got anything on their heart this morning? Huh? You good? Hopefully this is the end. Sometimes I'm like, can we just finish this up, Jesus? But we don't know what's going on in people's hearts. And we don't know the battles that everybody is going through. And we need to know who is on the throne. We need to know that the Father has committed everything to the Son. We need to know all of that stuff. Well, do we have to call him Father? You can call him Father. You can call him Father. Isaiah said you can just pick a name. Because they are one. Not two, not three. Like Jesus said, me and my Father are what? One. Because he told Moses the right that they are one and he's going to speak out of his mouth. The spirit of truth is going to say he's one. Me and my father are one. And they're just looking at Jesus. I can't wait to kill this dude. Can't wait. And anybody else that preached that they were one, they wanted to kill them too. He came unto his own. His own received him not. But as many of us that have received him, to them he's given power by his spirit to be sons and daughters. You hear me? 
Yes, the power is in us to, to tell somebody, I know who Jesus is. And, and he ain't over there. <laughs> he ain't over there. He ain't over there. When he comes back, every eye shall see him. We don't have to go over there. It says every eye shall see him. That's what the Spirit said. That's what they wrote. Every eye shall see him. I ain't driving nowhere. I ain't got to go fill up my tank to do nothing. Every eye shall see him. He is king of kings. What? Lord of lords. That's it. It's a wrap. You'd be surprised who's going to show up. Be surprised who's going to show up. You're going to look for somebody else. You'd be surprised who's going to show up. You would have never killed the Holy One of Israel. All right? That's all I got. That's a wrap. Everybody good?